Are you listening to this on Spotify right now? You should be. On Spotify, you can listen to all your favorite artists and podcasts in one place for free. You don't even need a premium account. Spotify has a huge catalog of podcasts on every topic, including the one you're listening to right now. On Spotify, you can follow your favorite podcasts so you never miss an episode. Premium Spotify users can download episodes to listen to offline, so wherever you are, you can hear me. It'll be like we're on that vacation in the mountains together. And of course, you can easily share what you're listening to with your friends on Instagram. If you haven't done so already, be sure to download the Spotify app and search for Be Reasonable with your moderator, Chris Paul. Or you can browse to find new podcasts in the tab marked Your Library. Oh, and make sure to follow me so you never miss an episode of Be Reasonable. Acting as moderator for tonight's broadcast. I'm your moderator, Chris Paul. Let's be reasonable. Ladies and gentlemen, the sun is riding high in the sky, and it is high noon on July 28th, 2020. So today, uh, first, I want to talk about um, why I'm doing this, because I get asked a lot, like, what changed, what happened? Um, and I also just want to be clear that my goal throughout this entire period has not been to convince people that the coronavirus is not real. I don't believe that it is fake. Um, and it has not been to support Donald Trump in any way. Um, although that is becoming less and less true, the more and more I see of the old guard system and its effects on culture. Um, I believe it's becoming untenable to even consider voting for the same people who have made this crisis so severe and who continue to allow rampant violence in American cities. Um, when the coronavirus first hit and I began realizing that the media was filtering everything through the lens of whether or not what they were reporting was going to help or hurt uh, Donald Trump's reelection chances. Uh, I posted on Instagram, this is probably late March or maybe early April, um, that if the media got this wrong, then they were finished. Um, I think at this point, four months later, it's very clear that the media have gotten this wrong and that they are indeed finished. Um, and my goal is to make sure that people know what's being done to the cultural conversation. Um, I want people to make whatever decision they want regarding the election. Um, I think it's totally legitimate that people have problems with Donald Trump's personal character. Uh, and if that is the thing that sways your decision, uh, I will not think you're a bad person. I don't, I don't agree with your decision and I don't agree with your rationale for making the decision, but that doesn't mean I think you're a bad person. Everybody has a right to vote as they please. I just want to present the counter narrative. Uh, a lot of people 
are constantly asking me why I don't go after the other side. And the truth is that I don't really feel a need to. Um, I think that the main media outlets all do that. In fact, I think that they only do that. So I don't really see any need to repeat their narrative. Um, I see my role as presenting a coherent counter narrative to what you hear throughout the mainstream media and mainstream culture, because it's so clearly and so often uh, untrue and maliciously untrue um, that I think that we do need a counter narrative and, uh, you know, agree or disagree with my own perspective on this. But I don't see a coherent counter narrative being presented uh, to people who have traditionally thought of themselves as on the left. Uh, so especially not in Hollywood of all places. Um, so I'm trying to do that and that's it. And I think there are clear examples of why this is necessary. Uh, California's governor, Gavin Newsom, uh, right now has a program or within the last few weeks, I should say, although it is ongoing, uh, has a program to pay influencers to post about masks and as an option with the posting request. And by the way, I have this documentation like influencers get emails about this that lay out the posting qualifications. Um, they are asked to consider as an option posting uh, and tagging Gavin Newsom and uh, expressing how good of a job he's doing as governor. Uh, I find it disturbing that California taxpayer dollars are being spent to pay influencers to post about masks, which are a potentially useful, potentially not useful mitigation strategy uh, that has little, if any benefit, but is authoritarian in its implementation. So the taxpayer dollars are going to these influencers who are otherwise out of work because the economy is shut down. And we are basically funding the government to propagandize us. And that is utterly insane. It's funny because they do the same thing with uh, anti-nicotine, anti-cigarette ad campaigns. Um, and I'm going to do a whole thing about uh, smoking one of these days, but not today. Um, but the, the concern that underlies the masking is that we, by, by assenting to this form of uh, government uh, control, we are accepting a future of further government control. And we are accepting a future of masks. What point do we at, at what point do we say that we've had enough of the masking? Do we wait for the same government officials who have clearly not relied on science at any point in this entire process to tell us that it is now finally OK to stop wearing masks? Does anyone think that Gavin Newsom is going to make that announcement? OK. How long do we have to go on like that? We can watch the curves go down in deaths, 
hospitalizations and cases as they have everywhere, including Sweden, where they didn't mitigate much of anything. And now they're not. No one is dying from coronavirus at this point. There are hardly any cases. The virus does actually disappear. And in the future, if we have convinced ourselves that social distancing, masking, and whatever other mitigation steps they make up are necessary for children to return to school, knowing that coronavirus is far and away less deadly than the seasonal flu for children, not fuel, definitely not fuel. That doesn't even make sense. Fuel is nice in every season. Um, what is to stop us from realigning the entire school experience for children around the potential that any day they go to school, they might die from a disease and just making them and then we just make them, uh, you know, wear masks and face shields and put plastic barriers between them and other students in their classroom. This is heinous. Okay. We're teaching children that everyone else they know is a vector of disease and that they need to keep themselves away from those other kids. What does play look like in that scenario? Do they have recess? Do they get to play tag or is tag dangerous too? Okay. Do they get to go on the merry-go-round? They might be within six feet of another person. And oh my God, there might be projectile respiratory, <laughs> I can't talk, droplets just flying around in circles like a centrifuge of disease, just destroying every child's life. We should put barriers around the merry-go-round. In fact, let's just send all the kids to school in a fucking bubble. Um, so yesterday, uh, a group called, I think it's frontline doctors or frontline medical workers or something like that. Um, they came out and, uh, held a small press conference about, uh, the media's mangling of the coronavirus narrative. And there was a doctor named Dr. Emmanuel who talked at length about, how hydroxychloroquine is a reliable and proven uh, treatment for the coronavirus. She calls it a cure. Um, people are like, it's not a cure. But uh, if, for instance, it is proven true that what she's saying, that she has treated 350 patients for coronavirus, has prescribed all of them hydroxychloroquine, and that she does the same for her medical staff as a prophylactic. If it becomes clear that all of that is true and that none of her patients have died from the coronavirus, some people would call that a cure. I suppose some people wouldn't. And most of those people are bloggers at the New York Times who complained to Facebook last night after the video had received 14 million views and Facebook took it down. I think it's over 17 or 18 million now. Um, Twitter has been doing the same. YouTube has been doing the same. And they do this on the basis that 
the video is giving improper medical advice. Now, that may or may not be true on a factual basis. I mean, it's almost definitely not true that it's dangerous. In fact, it's 100% not true that it's dangerous. I mean, the idea that suppressing that video is done in the interest of public safety, but that suppressing the the treatment, the use of hydroxychloroquine in the first place was also done for public safety is utterly insane because there is an actual death toll associated with the suppression of hydrox of the use of hydroxychloroquine. Now, Dr. Emanuel happens to be a black woman. And not only is she a black woman, she is a black immigrant from Nigeria. She happens to have different political and religious beliefs. Therefore, her ideas are dangerous. Therefore, the social media platforms are empowered to make sure the world doesn't hear her ideas. Now, I obviously am extraordinarily ignorant to the inner workings of, of wokeness, but that sounds to me a lot like an immigrant black woman who is a professional doctor being silenced because her political and religious views don't correspond to the accepted narrative, or as Eric Weinstein calls it, the gated institutional narrative. Last I looked, that was racist and misogynist and anti-immigrant and anti-science. Apparently, not now. And it's funny to me, okay, because the justification they give for silencing her is that the things she's saying are somehow invalidated by her political belief and her expressed religious beliefs. But here's the thing for someone to be able to operate outside the central narrative and to confidently express a contrary point of view, that person has to have a belief system that animates them. Okay, that is outside of the central narrative. And she says quite clearly that her animating characteristic is her legitimate fear of judgment by God. Now, I'm an atheist. That doesn't fear of judgment from God guides none of my decisions. But that doesn't mean that I don't believe it can guide someone else's. And to the extent that she's being honest about that. And she believes that she will be judged by God and that that is more important than her judgment by the FDA or some medical board or the general public online. She should be honored for that. Okay. It takes that kind of motivation to be able to express contrary opinions to the masses. All right. Um, it's funny because. A lot of people online have, and a lot of media figures have defended these platforms pulling down this video, um, on the basis that it is dangerous and that everybody knows the FDA says hydroxychloroquine isn't safe for, for, uh, on label use, even though it's still allowed off label. 
Um, which is, first of all, already a lie. Okay. They're protecting that lie adamantly. And the reason why they're doing that is become, is because Trump came out in favor of hydroxychloroquine as a treatment at the same time while everyone was battling over hydroxychloroquine, pretending that it killed a man who drank fish tank cleaner, even though that man was almost definitely murdered by his wife. Any of this stuff causes the narrative to spring a leak. And when the narrative springs a leak, they must plug that leak immediately or risk the entire narrative sinking. All right. And that's what this is really about. They will fight and die on every last hill. They do not care about honesty. They do not care about their credibility. They are happy to die on these hills because maintaining the central narrative is more important than their integrity and their credibility. Um, Josh Hawley, the uh, senator from Missouri uh, today, uh, said he's introducing legislation to end Section 230 immunity for the big tech companies. And what this entails is taking away their status as merely a platform for others expression. Um, and on the basis that they are through these actions, editorializing what the political view of the people who use the platform will be. Only one narrative is accepted. Anything that defies that narrative is taken down from the platform. And the claim is that that's an editorializing of the information. I think that that's right, especially in these kinds of circumstances. We are taking a woman, a doctor who is actually treating patients and who is treating them with a certain drug and finding incredible results from that treatment, along with uh, zithromycin and zinc. We're taking that opinion and invalidating it based on things that the FDA says. I don't even think I have seen Dr. Fauci say it doesn't work. All right. But Dr. Fauci isn't a doctor that treats patients. Dr. Fauci is a political hack who has been running or who has been operating a political office for 35 years. All right. Um, okay. So I want to talk about the, uh, the new trend of women posting black and white photos on Instagram as part of a hashtag women supporting women hashtag challenge accepted challenge. Um, the word challenge is so stupid when it comes to these things. There is absolutely nothing challenging about filtering a selfie in black and white and then forwarding a chain email to your friends. That is the least challenging thing I've ever heard of. In fact, if there is one part of that challenge that is actually challenging, 
it's the command that each woman should find 50 other women to send this friendly note to. All right. I was initially under the impression that this friendly note was like a uh, was like a personal note of friendship. It's not. It's actually a copy and pasted letter uh, about how they're all empowering each other. And uh, I was making fun of this online and got a little heat that me making fun of this was somehow anti-woman or misogynist. Um, well, that's the dumbest fucking thing I've ever heard because I'm clearly making fun of how useless social media trends are in accomplishing their goal. All right. There's nothing empowering about being sent a chain email and then posting a black and white picture. That's not empowering at all. In fact, it is completely demeaning to adult women to pretend that it is. And that every person is, is this desperate, this starved for validation, especially on the basis of pretty selfies. They're not even posting a picture of a woman that inspires them. They're posting a picture of their fucking selves. And what this is, by the way, this thing started as a meme. Um, well, it's had different iterations in the past, but this round started as a meme to protect the, uh, the feelings of the constantly victimized Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, who was faced with utter viciousness from fellow congressperson uh, Yoho, which is the greatest name ever. Uh, he should have just said Yoho and, and skipped the rest of his rant. Um, but uh, apparently uh, the woman who is totally unqualified to speak in public but is nonetheless a congressperson, um, she needed empowerment from her friends, so they started a hashtag. And now the hashtag is everywhere. And this is kind of interesting because Joe Biden has promised the world a female nominee uh, to be his running mate um, and all and stopped just short of promising that it is going to be a black female nominee to be his running mate. Uh, as if uh, the women of the world were more empowered by being told that they were worthy of his selection based on their skin color and genital combination. Congratulations, world. You solved it. Um, what this is, is an exploitation of basic bitchness. Uh, and this happens quite a lot uh, when companies need to sell Pumpkin spice lattes, for instance, or promote television shows or try to keep TikTok alive. And what we have is women who don't confidently approach their world and the competition they face on a daily basis, likely because if you are that obsessed with Instagram influencing your friends, you probably don't have a job. And uh, I know tons of uh, strong, powerful, intelligent women who I am fortunate 
to call myself friends with and or a friend of got to do got to do my own grammar check there. And I'm fortunate to have a strong, intelligent mother who loves me and generally thinks that I am hilarious, although I'm sure sometimes is appalled. But that's her right. And uh, I'm an adult who's just going to say what he wants to say. Um, but it's funny that uh, they don't spend much of their time narcissistically begging for the approval of others and then disguising it as a pro-woman movement. If your feminism is that superficial, you're not a feminist. You're just someone who likes attention just like everybody else. This trend is even dumber somehow than posting a black square on your Instagram as if the black people you're pretending to be friends with don't find that a demeaning display. And how do I know that some do? Well, by golly, I talk to them. Um, and so what I want to wrap this up with is the understanding that wokeness is nothing more than a tool to seize power when arguments and personal abilities have failed you. Okay, you can see this in the newsrooms where people are canceling their bosses because they want that job and they think that by virtue of that person's skin color or gender or something they said 20 years ago. That because they have this this tool that they can use to take that person's power away that they are now empowered and morally justified and righteous for using that tool. We should see this for what it is. All right. It's bullying. It should be fucking criminal because it works against everything that good people should care about. And there is nothing at all that is empowering to minority communities about being told that they cannot compete. So we're just going to take power from other people and hand it over. In fact, the California bar is considering lowering its standards to increase the number of black and Hispanic lawyers in California. That is disgusting. There is no person of minority ethnicity who wants to work hard and who has applied themselves and who has overcome obstacles and barriers to their success to finally reach a peak of performance and competence who wants to then see their accomplishment degraded by the lowering of standards so that people like them 
might be able to accomplish as much without working hard. It's disgusting that this is an accepted mode of of uh, cultural action at this point. Cultural action is a stupid statement. I could have figured that out better, but hey, I'm just taking it as it comes right now. All right. Um, and the last thing I want to talk about is how to root these conversations, because uh, a question that I've gotten a lot recently is is about like what to say and how to act and what to do when people get mad at expressing these ideas. OK, and what I think um, works is this, like if someone is going to try to shout you down and say that something you said is racist or sexist, like if if I say that uh, the challenge accepted meme is dumb as fuck and someone says that's misogynist, the response is, no, it's not. Okay? If someone says that you wondering whether or not the coronavirus escaped from a lab in Wuhan, if they're saying that is racist, the response is, no, it's not. Okay, don't even play the game. Don't step into the paradigm at all. All right. And what you do is simply ask them. Oh, really? How's that racist? And most of the time they won't answer. They'll say, like, everyone knows that that's a right wing talking point. And then you say, "Okay, well, how is that racist? And they'll if they have any response, it'll probably be something like. Everyone knows the right wing is racist. They support racism and say, oh, how? Just look at how they support Donald Trump. Donald Trump's a racist. Well, how? And then they'll say some shit about about cages or the Central Park Five or something. And it's not my job or my concern to prove that Donald Trump isn't racist. I'm only pointing out that they actually have no basis for saying that your claim about speculating about whether the virus might have come from a lab in Wuhan is racist. They've already moved back four or five steps of theoretic uh, logic, a theoretic rationale to explain their unexplainable position. Okay. None of those answers are rooted. They cannot root the conversation at all because the truth is that they're that they don't know what the fuck they're talking about. And the other truth is saying the virus may have come from a Wuhan lab is in no way racist. There is no way to formulate, to frame that conversation as racist. It is impossible. Okay. So when someone brings up those sorts of uh, counterpoints, which, you know, they're not counterpoints. They're just an attempt to shout you down. Ask them why and see where they go with it. And when they come to the point where they can't explain it at all, because of course they can't, then you should have no problem telling them that you find it personally offensive that your character was just attacked that you were just accused of being hateful for something they can't even explain. All right. That is a mark of low character on their behalf. That is a mark of how uh, little 
they think of your relationship. And when you encounter people like that, you should understand and you should accept that your relationship is worth as little as they're making it seem. You should be prepared to no longer be friends with that person if that is how they think of you. And that is how they're going to uh, abuse a conversation, abuse logic and uh, free ride on the backs of people who have actually been stereotyped and abused and discriminated against. All right. That's the character of the person that you are talking to and about. So do not let them make you feel bad for an, for expressing an opinion that you are able to root and you should be able to root your opinions when expressing them. Okay. But that person is attacking you. You are not attacking them. You are not attacking any marginalized group. You are being attacked and you should see it that way and put an end to it right then. All right. And uh, that's it. The sun is still riding high in the sky and uh, it'll be high noon again tomorrow. And uh, I will talk to you then at the same reasonable time on the same reasonable podcast. I bid you adieu. Whether you're a total newbie to podcasting, or even if you've had a show before like me, you know how intimidating it can be to start your show. The tech side especially can be daunting. That's why I'm so grateful Anchor exists. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. They knock down all the barriers to entry. Let me explain. First off, it's free. I don't know how or why, but I'm happy about it. The platform's great. There are creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. I can't even begin to describe how much easier it was to get my show on all the major platforms this time than it was a few years ago. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. That's right. You build your show, you make money. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place, and the company is committed to the success of its content creators. Go download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. If you like the show, please share it with your friends and give it a five-star rating on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts so new listeners can take your word for it. You can follow the show on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at I'm Your Moderator. If you have feedback, you can email heymoderator at I'mYourModerator.com or use the hashtag HeyModerator on Twitter. If you'd like to support the show, search Be Reasonable on Patreon, where I'll have additional daily-ish segments in a special podcast feed of the show, as well as my writing and audio readings of those articles. You can also go to anchor.fm slash be reasonable and become a supporter there. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time, I'm your moderator, Chris Paul. Be reasonable. Acting as moderator for tonight's broadcast.